0: Welcome back to Shattered Glass, a collection of stories about my family's experiences before, during, and after the Holocaust. Last episode, we ended with Cy, George, Bella, and Leon moving to 1641 Ocean Avenue in Midwood, Brooklyn. Today, George and Cy will tell us about their parents' lives in the U.S what they did for work, what their home life was like. We'll also hear from Sai about how moving to the U.S. as a young refugee impacted his childhood. Within a couple of days of Leon, Bella, and Sai's arrival to the U.S., Leon started work as a dishwasher to support his family. Once they moved to Brooklyn, Leon worked at an upholstery factory and then at a knitting mill. From 1960 until the 1980s, George's father worked at the knitting mill. Here's George.
1: My dad was blue collar. He would have wanted to have been a bank clerk or an engineer, but he worked in an upholstery factory, I think, where he you know upholstered furniture for people. And then he got work in um, at a knitting mill in Queens. And it was a factory that basically turned yarn into sweaters. And the, the sweaters were not sold at Saks. They weren't those guys. They were the sweaters that were sold at you know what would be now Walmart or Target. And he worked in that capacity pretty much from roundly 1960 until he retired in the 1980s. I want to say. He rose to be the, the, I don't want to say the foreman, but he was the non-owner who was trusted the most. He had the factory keys. He opened the place in the morning. He closed it at night. He would get on the subway every morning at 4.30. He would get up every day at 3.45 or 4, get on the train at 4.30 and get back. So I would never see him in the mornings. Uh, And he would get back home at 6 p.m. But he didn't complain about the work. I can't say he found it interesting, but he never complained about it. And he very much resisted showing me the place. I I begged him for years to show me his factory. And he was actually kind of ashamed. I think he knew that parents of all of my peers growing up, they were doctors, they were lawyers, um, they were professional. And he felt that that he that he didn't want to show me that he wasn't as good as them. I, of course, was okay. I just wanted to know what my dad did because you know I, I didn't know that there was a class distinction between working behind a desk, you know, uh, and working with your hands on a machine, you know. And, and ultimately, very, very late in life, he showed me the place. Yeah, it was a factory, you know. But it was it was an interesting place. I'd never been in the factory before.
0: When I told my dad, George, that I wanted to hear about his relationship with his parents growing up, he said there wasn't much to tell.
1: My dad left at 4.30 in the morning, got home at 6. He was physically exhausted because it was, it was a physically demanding job, and I don't think they had air conditioning in the factory, and the heat may not have been too good either. And so he did not play as big a role uh, in my life as many other dads do did at the time. You know, English was not their first language. They could communicate. I mean, but you you know, you and I have had extensive conversations about very sophisticated topics. I never had that with them because they just—it was a combination of the language barrier, the fact that their development was halted on September 1st of 1939. So they didn't read Heidegger. They didn't read uh, Camille Paglia, and then have time to 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 chat with me. You know, over tea and crackers.
0: Before Bella gave birth to George, she didn't work very much. Here's Sai.
2: One of the reasons my mother was not working as much was my mother, there was a a miscarriage between me and your father.
0: However, once George was old enough, Bella started work again. Here's George.
1: My mother worked part-time until I was in high school, I want to say. And by part-time, I meant, you know, she would get up in the morning and, you know, until I was of a certain age, you know, she would walk me to school. I don't remember when that ended. I tried, I think I ended it by fifth grade because it was a safe neighborhood and it was a very short walk. Then she would work from, I want to say nine to three, uh, cause I would get home from school at three 15, three 30. She'd want to make me fat. I mean, she'd feed me, uh, et cetera, et cetera. She'd talk with me, et cetera, et cetera. And she worked at a place that I'm sure no longer exists on Coney Island Avenue called Fine and Fancy, where she worked in the back as a seamstress. She was she was a dressmaker. Um, and she did that for, for many, many years.
0: When I spoke with Sai, he described the impacts that moving from Europe to the U.S. at a young age had on his childhood.
2: My language skills plateaued at about fourth grade level because that's what TV was at. TV shows were, you know, children's shows and even like things like I Love Lucy were at sort of a fourth grade level. So I had no comprehension of any language beyond that level. And my parents recognized that. So for two years, fourth and fifth grade, I was in remedial reading with a teacher named Mrs. Stewart, whose name I still remember. But she also helped my mother because my mother wanted to learn how to read or learn better English. And at that point, my father was out in the workforce and my mother was not in the workforce as much. And so my mother in Poland, I had read a lot of Tolstoy, for example. She read War and Peace. She read Dostoevsky, those major Russian novels. And then even American novels, English novels like Little Women, which were translated into Polish. And uh, so the reading teacher, Mrs. Stewart, would give my mother copies of books in English like Little Women, and my mother would learn how to read using children's books.
0: After their home country was invaded and their families torn apart, after spending most of the war in the Soviet Union, then reuniting at a small town's train station, after enduring more loss than any one person should ever have to experience... Bella and Leon settled into life in America. They lived together in Brooklyn until Bella died of cancer in June of 1998. After she died, Leon lived in what would eventually become my childhood bedroom before moving to an assisted living facility back in Brooklyn. George and Cy got him a nice room overlooking the Rockaway Inlet where he could see the Marine Park Bridge. He lived there for under a year before he passed away in 1999. I was born in December of 1998, so I never met my grandmother Bella, and my grandfather died before I turned one, so I don't remember him at all. I wasn't sure how I would feel after completing these episodes on my grandparents, but I didn't expect to feel this sad. As I scripted the outro for this episode, I was crying. I wish I could have known them. I wish I could have met them, so I could tell their stories while holding on to my own memories of them. But I never got the chance. However, knowing just how connected my grandmother was to the other side while she was alive, I'd like to think that she's over there now keeping an eye on me. I hope she and Leon know that I'm sharing their stories, and I really hope I've done them proud. Thank you for listening to Shattered Glass. This series is researched, interviewed, narrated, and produced by me, Sam Zacher. The music is Taudela from Blue Dot Studios.